You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. It may look like an ordinary podcast, but this one's bigger on the inside, and it can travel anywhere in time and space. Pack your sonic screwdrivers and your jelly babies. Grab your hats, scarves, and tighten your bow ties. You're the companion now, so get ready to run with your hosts, Jason Hunt and Paul Gann. This is Talking Time Lords. Hey everybody, and welcome back to another fantastic episode of Talking Time Lords. This is episode number 76, Because It's Kind. I'm, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, my podcasting companion through time and space, we have Paul Gann. A definite article, you might say. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going, Paul? <laughs> oh man, I, I'm excited to talk about this. Um... Yeah, our internet and our technical issues and everything have been hating us this week, and I think it's the Cybermen are trying to, to sabotage us, but um, yeah, we're finally doing this, so yep. I'm excited. Right, we're finally <laughs> getting to sit down and do this. We want to first of all thank everybody on our Facebook and Facebook group page who got in on the discussion on these episodes. We have so much we need to talk about, we're going to kind of just skip everything else. But thank you so much, everybody, for all of your thoughts and opinions and interaction on these episodes we really do appreciate all that but we've got a lot to talk about and we don't want to have to have a three-hour podcast so we're going to just jump into this right now <laughs> longest podcast ever right, right. Uh, let's hope not. <laughs> so of course we're going to be talking about the two-part season finale for series 10 of doctor who that being world enough in time and the doctor falls both written by stephen moffat and directed by rachel talalay World Enough in Time was originally aired June 24th, 2017, and The Doctor Falls on July 1st, 2017. Well, he actually, that was the date the episode was aired. He didn't actually fall. <laughs> or did he? Um, <laughs> and the brief synopses are as follows. For World Enough in Time, the Doctor decides to test how good Missy has become by sending her on a trial run with Bill and Nardole. However, when things go wrong, the Doctor takes over. With Bill trapped in a different time zone, can the doctor make it to her before it's too late? And who are all these people getting cured? And the synopsis for The Doctor Falls is, As he struggles to resist regenerating, the twelfth doctor prepares to make a last stand against the ever-growing army of Cybermen. However, with Bill still a Cyberman, and Missy gradually turning to her old ways as the master reminds her of who she used to be, can the doctor convince his old friend to finally be good before he falls? (laughs) (laughs) These synopses are always so dramatic. And just vague enough to be deadly. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. All right, Paul. Before we jump into the the nitty-gritty here, overall general thoughts on this 
two-part finale. Uh, can you where do you start that is Um, the big question (laughs) yeah um wow i don't even can you even be spoiler free with this no no i don't don't think you can folks we're going to skip the whole spoiler free pretense here at the beginning because i don't think that's possible so if you haven't seen these episodes it would just be warned (laughs) yes Spoilers. I guess overall general <laughs> thoughts aren't going to work this time. So let's just let's just dive into this. Oh, go for it. I think that them starting out the episode with Bill apparently dying uh-huh. was an absolute shocker. It was like, wow, they just went there. You know, I mean, <laughs> we we waited an entire season almost knowing that Clara was leaving mm-hmm. and, and and waited an entire episode at the end of that to see that happen. And then we got we got to the beginning of this and it was like immediately bang, done. Right. There you go. Right. And it was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> what just happened? You know? There was a giant <laughs> hole in the middle of Bill. Yeah. And oh yeah, it I don't even know how to start with that i mean it was it was fantastic that's all i got to say because it was one of the least expected things that you could have happen yeah all right well uh, (laughs) folks we're going to be jumping around a little bit because there's so much in this finale Mm. that we're going to be talking about some of the the questions and the you know the ramifications of these episodes in future episodes to come so don't worry if we don't get to everything this time expect some of that to come up in future episodes right we've already got one or two planned following today uh, that we're going to discuss some of these details, the craziness from uh, World Enough in Time and the Doctor Falls. So if we don't hit everything this time, don't worry, we'll get to it eventually. <laughs> All right, so we, we kick things off and, and the Doctor has decided to let Missy out on the world to see if she's really a good person. And of course, he's assigned <laughs> her to companions, Nardole and Bill, who are very much against this whole idea from the get-go. Bill, of course, saying, Doctor... Please don't get me killed. He goes, I can't exactly promise that. She goes, well, at least try. He goes, of course. <laughs> mm. But of course, Missy comes out and, and is completely over the top and is calling herself Doctor Who, which of course she yeah. then claims is the doctor's real name. <laughs> is that really your name, Doctor? No, of course not. <laughs> you know, of course, she starts calling Nardole and Bill her expendables. Yeah. Her disposables. Yeah, her disposables. <laughs> Um, and uh, there's also comic relief and exposition. <laughs> so I think they had to have this comedy at the beginning because the rest of it was going to be so heavy. Oh my gosh! You know yes. what I mean? Yeah. And and I, I I think it worked in spite of itself. <laughs> oh my gosh! Missy was like, "Let's take all of the ridiculous tropes in this show, right? And amp it up to eleven, and just." Jump over the cliff from there. And make fun of it yes. on the show. Yes. <laughs> I like when the show gets a little self-aware. And Missy definitely is almost on the outside looking in at the show in this situation. It's pretty funny. Oh, yeah. Uh, this was one of my favorite scenes ever with Missy in, in this show. I love this. Well, it, for, for me, it was hilarious. But at the same time, I'm not as much of a fan for, for things being uber self-referential. Mm-hmm. You know, so for so I was like, okay, don't go too far, don't go too far. <laughs> you know, <laughs> she went just <laughs> far enough because it would spoil it for me. It would make it 
not fun for me if they took it too far. Right. <laughs> it would right. become a spoof of itself, you know. Right. So, in your opinion, <laughs> did she go too far? She walked that really fine line. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. I love how she starts. My wife, my, my wife was laughing, and I was going, seriously? Seriously? <laughs> you just said that? Seriously? <laughs> here's my companions. Comic relief and exposition. Oh, yeah. What does he call you? His pets? His... <laughs> it's disposable. Disposable. <laughs> oh, companions. Uh, um, Actually, he calls us his friends. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, I don't want to hear it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But, of course, the doctors drop them off um, in this 400-mile-long colony ship that is trying to back away from the singularity of a black hole. And they are at the command center, which is at the very top of the ship, which is the closest to the black hole. We quickly find out that time is moving much slower at that end than it is at the other end because of the effects of the time distortion of the black hole. So what seems like regular time up at the command center is really taking months and years and decades the farther down the ship you get. So yeah. just to get that out of the way real quick. One survivor from the command crew bursts in and is panicking because someone in the room is human and there is something coming up from below that is tracking the humans and he doesn't want anything to do with them. And of course, it's Bill and he has to shoot her in order to save everybody else. The doctor immediately jumps out <laughs> to try and stop the whole situation. But this guy's just completely panicked, and as we alluded to earlier, uh, blows a hole in the middle of Bill, just as the lifts arrive. See, the crazy part about this to me was that if they only cared about the humans, why was he worried in the first place? Because he they weren't going to hurt anybody else, so we're only going to hurt the humans, right? Maybe. I mean, you can't take that <laughs> for granted, can you? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know. It, it that That's the vibe that I got, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> However, Bill is taken by these weird um, creatures, uh, sort of like a medical smock things with these things on their heads, and it's weird, and we don't really know what they are. Yeah. Stocking heads. Yeah. And she's taken away by these things, saying that they will fix her, but she will not be coming back. The doctor then telepathically puts something in her mind to wait for him. He will come for her as, you know, before she leaves. Okay. I have to ask. What's up? <laughs> how much did these things creep you out? <laughs> they were a bit unnerving. <laughs> Just a bit unnerving. These things reminded me like something straight out of Silent Hill or something. I mean, it was, <laughs> <laughs> it was messed up. <laughs> yeah, it was weird. But of course, they take her down below while the doctor, Missy, Nardole are all trying to figure out what exactly is going on. Bill was taken below and given some sort of replacement heart thing, which looks oddly familiar if you're familiar with classic Cybermen. Just saying. And she's, you know... It's a box. Yeah, it's a big, giant silver box on her front. And she's also wearing one of these smocks, but without the stocking head, thank God. <laughs> and she meets this denizen of the lower levels. Mr. Razor. Mr. Razor. Yes. <laughs> And, and he's sort of this, uh, he looks a bit homeless. He's sort of like the caretaker of the hospital facility that Bill is at. So he kind of helps the nurses out. And he's, he looks a bit unsavory, but he's noticed Bill sneaking around and hasn't told on her. Right. 
Do you want to know who I thought this was at first? Who did you think this was at first? I thought this was Mark Gatiss at first <laughs> playing this part um, because there was something about the shape of the face and the shape of the nose and stuff that reminded me of Mark Gatiss. And, you know, obviously he would have been in makeup, but I, I can see I that. I thought it was Mark Gatiss at first. I can, know? I can see that. That's, <laughs> that's clever. Now, the interesting thing is Bill starts wandering around and she finds this ward in the, uh, this recovery ward in the hospital. Oh, this messed me up. <laughs> where she can hear someone just saying, Pain, 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 yeah, over and pain, over again. And she goes in, and there's this this big room that's just lined with these smocked stocking head things. And there's one at the end who's pushing a button on his little console. It's just saying pain, 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 over pain, and over again. Pain, and pain. she's going over there to try and see if she can do something, but. Uh, then she hears a nurse coming, and she goes and hides behind the curtains. And the nurse goes, oh, let me take care of that. And she twists a knob on the thing and whatever, and goes, there you go. And the word pain stops. But then the nurse leaves, and Mr. Razor had been with the nurse and noticed Bill hiding behind the curtain. And then just sort of smiled at her and let her stay there. But Bill comes out <laughs> from behind the curtain, and this creature is still hitting the button. Yeah. And it turns out all the nurse did was turn down the volume. And then she goes and tries the volume on another one. And it's doing the same thing. Except this one is saying, Please kill me. Please kill me. Please kill me. Yeah. Please kill me. Please kill me. Right. Please kill me. And Bill freaks out, and so did I. <laughs> That's messed up. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is one of the absolute creepiest scenes ever. Ever? Ever. Ever? Ever in Doctor Who. <laughs> Oh, what did you think? <laughs> oh, dude, my skin was crawling. <laughs> uh -oh. Yeah, but it was so good. Right. It was exactly what it needed to be for this episode because it literally gave you the different steps between going from human to going to the first stages of being a Cyberman. They, they made it make sense. Why do the original Cybermen from Mondas look this way? This is why. Yeah. It was very well done. And that was the biggest thing that I know Stephen Moffat had a hang-up about with doing this, was he said, I was afraid that people would look at the classic Cybermen and make fun of them because of the fact that they didn't look like the modern-day Cybermen. And, and by the time they finished it, he was very well pleased with it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I still think classic Cybermen are creepier than modern Cybermen. Modern Cybermen are more just like robots, and it, it annoys me. <laughs> I've, I've expressed my, my irritation with how the Cybermen have been handled in the new series because they're more used as henchmen than anything else, which bothers mm -hmm. me because the Cybermen in the classic series generally have their own self-motivations. Mm -hmm. They're their own race. They do things for their own reasons. And when they get relegated to Missy's back pocket army or you know the, the creation of a mad scientist on an alternate universe who's trying to take over right. the world because he's angry, you know, it, it just irritates me a little bit. So. Well, now, you can understand the alternate universe version being that way because of the way that the story was told in that vein. But yes. for them to be the Cybermen from this universe, it does make more sense for them to stay the way that they were personality-wise in the classic series. I'm going to leave that, that thought <laughs> be for now. Um, but uh, after this particular situation, Bill ends up meeting 
Razor. Yes. And he, he kind of takes her away to his quarters, which are much more homey than the rest of the hospital. They get to start knowing each other. He takes her outside, tells her about Operation Exodus. And basically, the these creatures are the first stage in the Mondasians trying to figure out how to overcome the fact that their finite lifespan cannot survive the journey back to the top of the ship because <laughs> of how long it'll take. Yeah. And, and so the, these creatures are basically their first step in trying to figure out how to overcome that finite lifespan issue. <laughs> <laughs> and so Bill is somewhat curious, but also kind of perturbed. But then he shows her uh, a live camera shot of what's happening up at the, the, on the command deck. And of course the doctor and Missy are there uh, with Nardole and the, yeah. the crewman. Um, who turns out just to be a janitor, basically. <laughs> the doctor's like, there's nothing wrong with that profession. It's a noble profession. <laughs> right. But the image doesn't appear to be moving. And that's when Bill figures out, you know, what exactly is going on and the difference yeah. in time between where she's at and the command deck. And we, we find out a few things in this. We find out that the, the doctor has a magic marker hidden in his sonic screwdriver. Yep. Uh, we find out that the doctor has not forgotten... His Venusian Aikido. That is also true. <laughs> but it's funny because Bill and... I love that. Uh, <laughs> Bill and Mr. Razor watch this screen for months yes. and years. And we, we get a little montage where she's going, oh, look, he's raising his eyebrow. You know, he's been raising his eyebrow for a week. <laughs> she starts telling him all the things that, what this means, what the doctor is doing here, what that means and everything. Mr. Razor's like, oh, Okay. Yeah, he's 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 making jokes like, oh, he's like enthralling television. Hmm, you know, right? <laughs> the doctor and Missy basically end up knocking out the crewmen in order to get things moving because they realize what's going on and time is up the essence. And they manage to get into one of the lifts and start heading down to where Bill is. However. We get to the point where Bill's cybernetic heart replacement thing is starting to go on the fritz. Or at least that's what she's told. And Mr. Razor takes her to an operating theater where they can help fix it. Oh, but this is the conversion theater. And see, that's something I noticed, too. When she first walked out of the operating room that very first time and it was standing in that empty hallway, I saw up above the door where it said conversion theater, and I thought... Oh, dear. Right. <laughs> uh <-oh>. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, this all happens just as the Doctor, Nardole, and Missy are descending to that level. Mm -hmm. They arrive, and the Doctor and Nardole make a beeline to try and find Bill, while Missy is left <laughs> to delve into the computer history and find out where the ship came from, what it's doing right. here, and why it's here. Why it's here, what is its purpose, where did it come from? And, of course, there's a funny little conversation between Nardole and Missy as to who's better at that sort of thing. And Nardole's used to being the, the doctor's man in the chair. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Exactly. He's not particularly <laughs> pleased that Missy gets that job. But the doctor convinces Nardole to come with him to find Bill. And Missy is delving into this, and someone runs across her. Who shows up? Mr. Razor. Mr. Razor. <laughs> Okay, I've got to admit, I still didn't have this figured out at this point. I didn't either. <laughs> I didn't start figuring this part out until halfway through this conversation, and, and then I suddenly went, oh my gosh, I think I know who this is. <laughs> right? <laughs> Me too. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so the doctor and Nardole go into the conversion theater, 
and they start learning about Operation Exodus at the same time that Missy finds out that the ship comes from the planet Bondas, the twin planet of Earth, uh, yes. while Razor is trying to get her to engage in conversation. He's threatened her with a pistol, uh, which means Missy goes, don't get within three feet of me or I will kill you. And <laughs> Razor says, well, I wouldn't do that because I'm worried about my future. <laughs> and he says it in a very pointed, odd way. And yeah. then he starts talking about his love of disguises, wondering if she still <laughs> likes them, too. And then he takes his face <laughs> off, and it's the master. Yes. <laughs> oh, man, this was straight back to Roger Delgado. It was fantastic. It was great. <laughs> <sighs> and we realize, of course, now that Mr. Razor has been the master all this time and he's been leading Bill on this entire time and is now of course he he tells Missy oh the doctor's not going to be happy when he finds out what you did to Bill and we're like what did he do to Bill (laughs) and that's when a Cyberman a complete Mondasian Cyberman gets up from the operating table in the conversion theater um, and starts to address the doctor and the doctor says, you can access the cyber network. Tell me where Bill Potts is. Bill Potts? I am Bill Potts. Right. And that's when Missy and the Master come in together, and they start taunting the doctor, and uh, the Master says something to the effect of the genesis of the Cybermen. Yes. The, the, the Master specifically says, you might call it a genesis. <laughs> a genesis. Of the Cybermen. Yes. And I was going, I told you! I told you that was what they were going to do! And then um, a tear starts to escape the eye hole for the Cybermen, and the episode ends. Okay, do you think Bill was the first Mondasian Cyberman, or do you think she was just the latest Mondasian Cyberman? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. She could, Oh, it's possible she was the first. It's very possible she was the first, um, which puts a whole new twist on everything that's going on. Right. <laughs> uh, but I have to say, this is probably the best cliffhanger that they've ever left us on. I know, right? Oh, and, and here's, here's another thing that adds a whole other layer. They were explaining to Bill about the handles on the head, mm-hmm. and the scientist says, I just finished inventing this. This makes you not care about the pain anymore. Right. And and I'm thinking to myself, that makes this whole thing even more horrific because of the fact that the pain never goes away. You're always in constant pain as a Cyberman. You just don't care about the pain anymore. How horrible is that? I mean, you think about it. You're always in constant pain. Well, he says, (laughs) this takes care of the pain issue. Well, it makes yeah. you not care about the pain. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's not cool. No. That's not right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, thank God we don't have to wait a week to talk about the next episode. No, we've already waited two. <laughs> Let's go ahead and, and jump into The Doctor Falls now. We end up in a situation with the Doctor captured, Nardole on the run, with Missy and the Master taunting and torturing the Doctor with all their plans and schemes, and Cyber Bill standing overlooking it all. Cyber Bill. Cyber Bill. 
I almost suggested that as the name of this episode. <laughs> and I said no. <laughs> no, 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 no. We'll get into some of the other names later. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> okay, so the doctor is now strapped to a wheelchair, and the master and Missy have brought him to the roof of the hospital. And he begins to deduce how the master is here. Mm-hmm. He says, ah, so you escaped Gallifrey, and you've been hiding in this colony ship. Oh, I bet you were actually ruler here once, weren't you? And now you've fallen, because that's why you're hiding out as Mr. Razor. Good for you. You know, basically, he starts trying to talk <laughs> back. Of course, they keep calling him Granddad, and saying, mm-hmm. oh, well, you know, he's a Cyberman. And it's also weird, because they sort of Missy and the master are dancing and flirting with each other. Um, just makes you realize how full of himself the master is. Yeah, we'll get into that stuff later, too. <laughs> the weirdness that could have been. The interesting thing, though, is that now Operation Exodus is in full effect, and Cybermen are starting to you know, emerge from the conversion theater. They are starting to help herd everyone else to the conversion theater, and then they start noticing that the Cybermen are heading towards them. And apparently in the scuffle where Missy and the Master knocked the Doctor out, the Doctor landed on a computer and changed one number in one crucial thing of how the Cybermen identified <laughs> those who need to be converted. He changed the uh, parameters for the hearts from one to two. Which so now that anything that looks human with one or two hearts will be converted into a Cyberman. <laughs> yes. Which means, of course, that they're locked in on the Time Lords and heading that way right now. Yeah, which is really interesting when you think about future events with the Cybermen, because they've always treated the Doctor as if he was human. By the way, I love how we find out that Missy's umbrella this entire time is a sonic umbrella. It's a laser. The laser umbrella It's a sonic umbrella. It's something. Instead of the laser screwdriver, she has the laser umbrella. Yes. I, so. I love how we found that out this episode. <laughs> I thought that was cool. <laughs> that being said, the Masters begin to panic. The Doctor is the only one who's ever been able to stop so many Cybermen at once, so you're stuck with me. And this is when (laughs) we start having an interesting thing happen. Missy is conflicted. Yeah. Because her younger regeneration, the Master, is of course the the fire brimstone kind of, you know, raging creature that we have with John Sim. And he just wants to see everything burn, he wants to see the Doctor suffer, and all this stuff. But Missy, of course, has been going through this transformation from bad to not quite bad, not quite good, uh, this path towards being good. Anti-hero. Yes. (laughs) And she ends up knocking the master out (laughs) and freeing the doctor from the chair in order to have him start fixing the situation. I thought that was fantastic. He says, knock yourself out. Then she swings and hits him in the back of the head, says, I think I will. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that was good. Um, And the doctor goes, so whose side are you on? And she says, I don't know. I'm of two minds. And right now the other one's unconscious. (laughs) Oh, I liked the dynamic here because... She definitely became conflicted once the monster, monster, once the master came on the scene. Yeah, well, she's being pulled in two different directions. She's, right. she's very, obviously, her inclination at, at this point in time is to be more deferential towards the doctor, to be more on his side in an attempt to become friends and allies again. Whereas her previous incarnation's master is the complete opposite of that. 
you know, he does not want anything to do with helping the doctor at all. He would rather die. Right. And so she's being pulled back and forth in this interesting situation by the doctor on one end and her previous incarnation on the other end. And it's, it's messing with her. And I think she's being completely honest when she says that she's conflicted and she's of two minds because I don't think she's in complete control of what's going on in her head at the moment. Well, not only that, you know, even though they are old friends because they've been at odds for so long, kind of frenemies, I guess you'd say, Mm -hmm. you know, there's always that thing in the back of your head of this, even though we're not hanging out, having fun together all the time, this has kind of been fun to be at odds with one another and changing the dynamic now, you know, it's going to be like the end of an era. You know, do you really want to see the end of that is, you know, those kind of weird thoughts go through your head too. You know what I mean? Right. And so I I don't know, for some reason I can kind of relate to a certain point with what she's going through in her head, even though it doesn't make a hundred percent sense. Yeah. (laughs) We then find out that the doctor believes that Nardole has been useful. So he contacts Nardole through a sound screwdriver and says, Nardole, have you been useful? Yes, sir. <laughs> of course, he, that's when he shows up with a shuttlecraft and he drops the, the ladder, the rope ladder for them to come up. <laughs> and of course, the master gets shoved up first and the Missy, the Missy comes up. Uh, the doctor turns to Cyber Bill and tries to figure out what to do with her. And that's when another Cyberman comes up and grabs the doctor and starts electrocuting him. Right. And Missy is initially going to try and take care of the Cyberman. But then all of a sudden, kaboom, kablooey, zappity doo da. Bill <laughs> steps in and uh, uses her headlamp gun to destroy the Cyberman. I liked the way they did these headlamp guns because they were very reminiscent of something that you might see in the classic series. Yes, yes, they were good. I, I approve. Um, <laughs> the masters head up to the shuttle and both, you know, individually tell him uh, to leave the doctor behind. And he says no. Both times. I like how he just says no. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's when the master decides to try and take the co-pilot's yoke and fly the shuttlecraft away. And uh, Bill stops them by grabbing onto the ladder and holding the shuttlecraft in place. Yeah, I have to ask. Hmm. Did you get the impression that when the doctor got electrocuted by the Cyberman the first time is when his body began to slowly enter into the regeneration process? And that is one of the questions that has come out from this episode. And it's possible because we see him having to stifle regeneration energy before anything else really happens to him. Mm-hmm. And of course, there's another theory that I saw online that says that he's been actually slowly dying since Extremis, I think. Is, was that probably the lie of the land? Which one was that? Lie the Where he was trying to access the brain of the monk. Oh, that's right. You know, or even could go back as far as oxygen mm-hmm. when he goes out without his helmet and gets blinded. You know, it, it, it's it's one of those things that I've seen that theory out there as well that he's been sort of fighting this off mm-hmm. for a while, and things keep happening to make it stronger and stronger and stronger. Yeah. At any rate, this Cyberman zapping him definitely accelerates the process. That's for sure. We then make our way to floor O five O seven, where they find themselves on a solar farm. <laughs> Did you see the significance of the, the number uh, 507? What? Okay. Um, Stephen Moffat was talking about it on the, the fan show after the broadcast of this, and he was saying that the significance of the number 507 was directly a callback to Russell T. Davies. He said that every time that he would 
number something to use for uh, like an exaggerated number or whatever. He would use the number 57. He's, you know, he's like, we've been over this 57 times or whatever, you know. <laughs> and so he said that as a, as a call out, as a shout out to Russell T. Davies, he put the number 507 in there as a, as a little uh, homage to Russell T. Davies to say, oh, hey, hey, I'm, I'm calling this back to you. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> but we find out that the, these farmers, these villagers living on this farm, have protected themselves against the early Cyberman prototypes, the, the ones that are in the smocks with the, the stocking heads, as Paul calls them. <laughs> and they have been dealt with and then hung up as scarecrows yes. in the fields. And there's a lot of them. It's creepy. It is very <laughs> creepy. It comes off like that they're hung up there as warnings. Yeah. You know, that they've been hung up there as warnings to say, this is what happened to the last guys that came after us. Leave us alone. Exactly. <laughs> then we start getting to this interesting situation where Bill becomes self-aware again. And she doesn't see herself as a Cyberman. Although she is a Cyberman, she doesn't feel like she's changed. She doesn't see herself as changed. And so people are reacting oddly to her. She's being kept in the barn, waiting for the doctor to recover from his injuries. And she's asking to see the doctor. And this little girl comes in to see her, and Bill is asking why everyone is afraid of her. And we're seeing this as Pearl Mackey asking this question. Yeah. Did you like this dynamic of how they did this? Did I did. <laughs> I really did. Um, I, I thought it worked very well, and and it was one of those things that I think added to the the hope that yeah. we could have a restored Bill. You know, that her being a Cyberman wasn't going to be permanent. See, I was of two different minds about the whole thing. I was, in one way, I wanted for Bill to be saved from this, but in the other way, just for the sake of uh, adding weight to the story and having it have dire consequences, I almost kind of didn't at the same time, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, because you, you want to have stories that, that have dire consequences for the characters so that it ends up meaning more for the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, I get that, but Bill was never a companion that I saw dying. Right. You know, she wasn't, there, nothing was leading up to that. Right. Uh, you know, in her storyline this season. Whereas, you know, and, and of course, we're, I'm going to jump back and compare this to Clara from last season, where she keeps become, you know, trying to take on more and more of the doctor's persona, the doctor's, mm -hmm. you know, way of doing things, and she keeps throwing herself into danger. And, you know, when we get to face the Raven, and she takes on more than she can handle, and she dies in that episode. Right. Um, it, it was very impactful. I right. applauded the risk that they took. I thought it was amazing that they went there and that the whole lead up to, the, you know, her actions having consequences worked. And so mm -hmm. when they ended up saying, Haha, but not quite with her, <laughs> you know, coming, you know, the doctor pulling her out of time, basically, and her running around, you know, between heartbeats for all right. eternity until she decides to go back to her moment and die. Uh, it felt like a cheap escape. Well, now Russell T Davies and Stephen Moffat see the show a little differently. Russell T Davies saw the show as being a little bit grittier and a little bit more real worldly when it came to uh, the personification of different characters and things like that. Uh, Stephen Moffat sees the show as something that he wants children to be able to watch as a hopeful storytelling you know a fantasy type story and that's the reason he says that he chose to do that with 
Clara, and then ultimately we find out later Bill, is that he wants to have them have their happy ending because he doesn't want for that to be something that ends on a negative note because he wants it to be a hopeful show, a hopeful storytelling process in the show. And he said because he's never seen the show as gritty or dark, he's always wanted to tell stories that he felt should end on a more hopeful note. And I can see his point there, but at the same time, I feel like that you have probably more adults watching the show now than ever before, and they're not going to understand that style of storytelling. Right. And and the biggest thing, you know, the issue I have with the whole Clara situation is because, you know, it basically says, well, you know, she has, she went to face her consequences, but the consequences ended up not mattering in the end, uh, because she was still able to just spend an eternity going through time and space and having adventures you know, right. eventually having to go back to that moment, but it's almost like she doesn't, you know, right. and, and it felt like a bit of a cop out. It was one of those things where if they had actually let her die, mm-hmm. then you're going to spend this entire episode watching Bill going, oh my gosh, uh, is she going to just end like this? You know, and right. you'll go, oh my gosh, we're going to get this happening twice in a row. Um, and I think that would have might have ramped up the whole situation with Bill here even more. And see, that's something that I kept seeing online is, well, he's not going to kill Bill because he didn't kill Clara. Right. And, and I'm glad that he didn't kill Bill. And no, we're not talking about the movie series, (laughs) but I think it would have, you know, added to the tension and added to the, the, the fear for the character from the audience. If Clara had died, well, I mean, you go back to the first Doctor, and we had a, a companion who lasted one episode and then got spaced. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah, and this was supposed to be a kid show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think that if they could do it all the way back in, I think, what was it, sixty four or something like that? Mm-hmm. I think that I think they could get away with doing something like that now. Yes. <laughs> I agree. Well, let's get back to the Doctor Falls. So, the, <laughs> this little girl is having this conversation with Bill. And Bill is, you know, wanting to know why people are scared of her. And so this girl brings her a mirror. And that's when she sees her reflection as a cyberman. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, that's when the doctor shows up and sends the girl out. And they start having this conversation about what she is, what's going on, what could happen to her. And she's getting more and more frustrated and angry that she is a Cyberman and she, angry at the doctor because she, he told her to wait for him and she did and she trusted him. And now he might not be able to fix this. And Bill told him, I can't live like this. Oh, I, I don't want to live the rest of my life like this. If I can't be me, I don't want to live. That, that was, yeah, that was gut wrenching. You oh, know what I'm saying? It was, it was. <laughs> and it's like, Oh my yeah. gosh, what's going to happen? Because the doctor doesn't know what to do. Doctor yeah. doesn't know how to fix the situation, um, and that's when he comments that you know, well, where there's tears, there are hope. Yeah, know? that that just that was very gut wrenching. <laughs> my my wife says that Stephen Moffat is a heartless sot <laughs> <laughs> because he, he he did that to Bill. <laughs> the ironic thing is that he claims he's trying to you know make these stories for kids, and that's yeah. why they end on a hopeful note. But yet he just completely. Sends yeah. everyone emo- through the emotional ringer. I know on these episodes. <laughs> I'm not sure how kid friendly that is. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, when she gets angry enough, her you know laser gun fires. She blows open the door of the barn, and of course Nardole is out there preparing the villagers for war. And he goes, "Nothing to see here. Go back to your work." <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> I love Nardle so much. <laughs> I love him. I swear, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna miss that character. Uh, I know. <laughs> but Bill realizes what she's going to have to live through now, and the Doctor is so impressed and amazed that she's able to hold on to her individuality and her identity as Bill. He references back to the issue, the situation with the monks and how she was able to hold on to the truth in that whole situation. And that's what made right. her strong enough to do this. Well, now you think about it, though, it shouldn't be that much of a shock to him because Danny Pink was able to do it, too. Right. And so was the Brigadier. Yes. But um, but he finds it odd that she's still able to shed tears. Yes. Now that I could see. He finds it very odd that she's able to shed tears. And he goes and he tells her where there's tears, there's hope. Of course, the master has come in and he's, you know, taunting Bill and, and chastises the doctor for still referring to her as a female and not a cyberman <laughs> and, and how much he hated the time he had to spend with Bill as Razor because how tedious that was. <laughs> Bill says, you are not upsetting me. And of course, that <laughs> takes all the fun out of it. So he leaves and that's when she cries. Yeah. The doctor goes to find out what the master and Missy are up to and Bill goes with him and that's when she notices the doctor is limping very heavily uh and he ends up leaning against a tree and he stems the tide of regeneration energy seeping out of his hand okay i have to ask is it just me or did you get the feeling that there was a whole chunk of this episode where the master didn't have anything to do what do you mean well i mean it was he would it's, even the master, even more so than Missy, would just disappear for like a whole chunk of time, and then when you'd see him again, he'd just basically be like reclined back on something, just acting bored. And it, it was like it, it almost felt like okay, we've told what we can tell with this character up to this point, and we're not going to have anything else to do with this character up until this next point. So I don't really know what to do with him. So I'm just going to say that he's been sitting around bored this whole time. Mm, I don't know. I have to watch it again. Before I could make that evaluation. <laughs> that, that's the feeling that I got in just with the master, not with everybody else. Okay. Uh, he was kind of really brought in for the big foil to get Bill to become a Cyberman. Right. Um, and then for the kind of the beginning and the end of this episode to have the interactions with Missy in particular. Right. And also, I thought it was really cool, too, though, the way that he didn't show in the cast list for the first episode. Mm-hmm. So it was very intentionally done to leave him out of the public cast list so yes. that it would be done in a very surprising way. Yes. You know, <laughs> that was nice. The doctor takes a tree branch and starts using it as a walking stick in order to help hide the fact that he's definitely hurting still. They find mass, the master and Missy and find out that uh, they've discovered the camouflaged lifts there uh, on on this level on level 0507 and missy calls it before the doctor can say anything and the doctor <laughs> goes uh you shouldn't have done that because there will most definitely be a cyberman in there and they're waiting for us to do that so they can find out what level we're on congratulations you've just given our way our position and that's when the door opens and a modern cyberman emerges and the three time lords and cyber bill team up together with their sonic slash laser devices slash head cannons and blow it up they take out the modern Cyberman. And this is the same ones we see in Nightmare and Silver. Yes. Because these are distinctly different from the ones that we saw in the alternate universe. Yeah. So we've got a whole slew of Cybermen now, and they are on their way. And it'll take a couple of days for them to get to this level because of the time difference 
And so it's time for them to prepare for war. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but these events should directly lead into the Tenth Planet, correct? Um, maybe. I, I'm not exactly sure. Um, we'll we'll get to that to the, later. Um, okay, that's an interesting. I'm, I haven't gotten to watch it yet. I'm going to get to watch it this week. So yeah, no, I had <laughs> these grand plans of going back and rewatching all this stuff, and then I just ended up <laughs> sleeping the entire day on Thursday after I got home from Ooh, work. Shame, 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 so. Jason. <laughs> I can't say anything. I sleep too much already. <laughs> so the master reveals to the Missy reveals to the Missy. Yes. The master and the Missy, the master and the missus. Mm. The master <laughs> reveals to Missy that his TARDIS is on one of the bottom levels of the spaceship, but he can't really do anything about it. Cause he blew his dematerialization circuit. Yeah. And that's when she goes, Oh, now I remember. I remember very distinctly this very scary lady coming up, getting in my face and telling me not to ever forget a spare dematerialization circuit ever again. And she, like, grabs his collar, gets right in his face, and then she goes, oh, look at that. And she pulls something out of her jacket pocket. <laughs> I've got one. <laughs> I like how she just changed her her past <laughs> in order to save her future. Oh, well. Yes. So that was funny. The dematerialization circuit she pulls out of the jacket is exactly the same as yes. the classic series. Yes. From the third doctor. It's fantastic. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it's exactly the same. It might be a slight difference on color, but that's yeah. it. No, it's, it's, oh, it's, it's pretty great. cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it. But now the doctor and Bill and Nardole have to prep these villagers for war. And they're concerned because their weapons aren't powerful enough to handle Cybermen. You know, they were able to take care of the, you know, the prototypes that had been coming up earlier, but these Cybermen, their weapons don't stand a chance, and there's not that many of them. Nardole has discovered, though, that, of course, since this is actually, you know, a level on a spaceship and not actually, you know, rolling fields as it appears, um that there are fuel lines right below the ground. And so he's able to use a computer to blow the fuel lines and the fuel pipes when they fire their weapons in order to confuse the Cybermen and make them believe that they're much stronger than they really are. And I found that to be clever. Clever, Nardole. <laughs> he blows up a windmill, doesn't he? He does, to test out his theory. <laughs> So he, you know, he takes one of the shotguns and sort of fires it in the general direction of the windmill and then hits a button on his computer and the windmill explodes. <laughs> and he's, yep, that'll work. Um, <laughs> we should mention that there is, there is a lady who's kind of like in charge of all of this, these people here. I know, right? <laughs> who, um, shall we say, has taken a shine to Nardole. <laughs> she really, really likes him. She likes him a lot. <laughs> She likes him a lot. Um, and Nardole is too oblivious to notice. At first. At first. <laughs> and so she gets more and more blatant about yes. it. Yes. And so basically, we, we're at the night before the whole thing is about to go down. Um, he's finalizing all of his, you know, plans on his computer in order to get ready for the Cybermen to show up. And they're in the kitchen. <laughs> And she's, you know, offering him some tea. She's holding his hand. And he's like, oh, okay. Um, and he's like, I I'm not sure this will work. I'm not human. She says, well, I'll try anything once. 
Oh, that went there really fast. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> My wife's face visibly changed when she said that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> the the touching scene, however, between Nardol and this lady, um, the woman's name is Hazran, and, and she's just, you know, really about to lay it on thick with Nardol <laughs> uh, when Bill walks into the room, and she panics, freaks out, and starts firing away with the shotgun um, before realizing what who Bill is. Um, you know, Bill is, of course, unhurt physically. Uh, Hazran is completely distraught about what she's just done and she runs off and bill also leaves the room and heads back outside to prepare with the doctor um the first wave of cybermen show up and true to form they use all sorts of silly objects like an apple they throw an apple (laughs) at this approaching cybermen and then nardole causes the floor to blow up right and then they start using their shotguns and you know there's explosions everywhere and all this stuff and the cybermen retreat and the doctor says, well, they'll be back, but this time they won't be trying to convert you, they'll be trying to destroy you. And that's when his full plan comes to light. He's going to have everyone evacuated to a, a different level, to another solar farm where they can live in relative peace, hopefully. And he's going to stay behind and hold off the Cybermen and destroy as many as he possibly can before igniting the entire floor uh, with the... Uh, technical readouts that he steals from the computer and puts into a sonic screwdriver. Meanwhile, Misty and the Master have taken off and are making for the lift in order to get to the Master's TARDIS and escape. The Doctor notices these two about to take off. Yeah. And he makes an impassioned plea to keep them there. Uh, and the Master says something to the effect of, well, you're not going to win this. And the Doctor says, win? This isn't about winning. This is about doing what's right. You know, and he gives one of the best speeches Peter Capaldi has ever done. This is where I cried. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, because honestly, I could picture every sentence in this speech being quoted by one of the previous incarnations of the doctor at some point. Yes. Um, Yeah, it was. Oh, wow. It was, I got the feels. It was really good. And, you know, <laughs> I got the feels hard. <laughs> at the end of it, he, he says, you know, I don't do this to win. I do it because it's kind. Just kind, you know. Of course, the master is completely unmoved and unfazed. He stopped paying attention. and uh, But Missy, Missy is visibly moved by what the doctor says. But but she walks off with the master and leaves the doctor there. They They grab hands, though, briefly before she leaves. And she tells him that being your friend again was what she always wanted, but she leaves with her former self. She doesn't say why. No, she doesn't. She just says she won't stay. Exactly. And Nardole, of course, is furious with the doctor for how this plan is supposed to go, uh, because the doctor is sending Nardole with the villagers. He's going to try and send Bill, too, but Bill says no, and he's not going to argue with the Cyberman. So we're left with Nardole being told to leave with the villagers and him not wanting to go. He says he's speechless. He says he doesn't know what to say. And the doctor says, or the doctor of Bill says, well, you'll think of them eventually. Yeah. And he starts walking out the door and he goes, you're wrong. Yeah, I don't think I'll ever have the right words to say. Yeah. And this is heartbreaking. I, like yeah, seriously. It, was, I was, it really was. This is when I cried. That's if they had left it right there. I don't think, 
I don't think I would have been happy with that. You know what I mean? I think because we've seen other episodes end that way with that type of statement. And then you never see the character again. Right. You know, and I'm thinking, okay, that's the last time we're going to see him, you know? And, and I felt like that it was kind of par for the course, I guess, for the, the, what the show had been over the last 10 years, you know, and that's not how they let his character end. No, no. Uh, Later on, uh, we see him waiting by the lift that, that he is, yeah. You know, brought everyone through in order to escape and make a new home. He's waiting to see if they show up. And then two girls, you know, basically try and, you know, break him out of his, his funk. And they pull him away and they bring him back to the village. And uh, they say, by the way, I think Miss Hazran has a thing for you. <laughs> it doesn't say something like, well, I guess, you know, right, you know, rightly so. You know, something like yeah, that. Something, it, it, he basically makes, he, he plays it off like it's just common everyday occurrence for him, you know. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, they say, well, maybe they'll come back one day, but you don't have to keep waiting for them. Um, and they, they pull him away and they bring him, you know, into the fold, basically. So we at least know where he is for the moment. Yes. And he may never come back. He may but not. he has the potential to. He does. He does have so. the potential to because he's not human. He's he's essentially a humanoid android reconstruction <laughs> thing. We're not exactly sure exactly what he's all made of. He's Nordelstein. Yes, <laughs> really is. He's a creation, and so as such, he could you know come back in the future. Um, but whether or not he will is up to Chris Chibnall. Um, <laughs> At least for the next five years, anyway. Right. <laughs> or however long it takes, you know, he takes on the show. I'm pretty sure Chris Chibnall has a five-year contract. So, well, that must be the standard contract. Um, let's see. Uh, then we end up at another lift and one of the other unanswered questions that we're going to have at the end of this episode. No, right? <laughs> this is a big answered question with the master and Missy. And they're getting ready to descend down to the Master's TARDIS. So Missy and the Master decide to have a little dance, a celebratory, oh, look at that, we made it, as they wait for the elevator to show up. Um, and Missy proves to the Master that she hasn't lost her edge by slipping a long, thin knife between his ribs as they dance out of her sleeve. It's essentially Assassin's Creed style. She gives her own little speech at this point, too. Yes. Because... You don't even know what she's done until after she's finished talking to him. Right. <laughs> and uh, she says, you know, I hate to admit it, but he's right. You know, referring to the doctor. He's right, and it's time for us to stand with him. It's time to make that change. It's time to stand with the doctor in this case. But the wound... Did you expect it to get to this point with Missy? I... Did you, did you really believe it was going to go there? I kind of thought it might, but I wasn't holding my breath. <laughs> Because, you know, as we see in this episode, that it appears that her, her transformation from evil to, you know, trying to be good is genuine. We, mm-hmm. we sort of keep seeing that reinforced throughout these two episodes. And so when, when we get to this point, she's like, it's time to side with the doctor. And she says, well, you'll have what I did to you is just so precise that you'll have enough time to get to your TARDIS so you can regenerate into me safer, safely. Actually, that's not what she well, says. Well, she says you'll be able to regenerate. She, to regenerate. She doesn't say into me. No, she doesn't. <laughs> and that's, that's something else that's been brought up uh, through both of these episodes is people keep pointing this out online. Is the master keeps asking her, 
so you're my next incarnation, right? And she never answers the question. No, she doesn't. Yeah. But it's likely that she is. It's the most likely scenario. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, yeah. And so, so we'll, we'll get into that later. Right. <laughs> and there's some questions that are about to be asked here that we're not going to answer in this episode. We'll be addressing them later. So this whole master situation <laughs> that we're about to get into, that's next episode. We're going to talk all about that next episode. <laughs> well, it goes directly along with our master episodes anyway. It so, does. It does. You know. We're going to get back into that. So we have to have an episode <laughs> about the master in order to sort of, you know, slip back into those. That being said, <laughs> you know, while the master is impressed with that she hasn't lost her touch, compliments her that she hasn't lost her touch, she dumps him in the elevator. And then that's when she says that I, she's not coming. She's going to go help the doctor, which infuriates the master. Mm-hmm. He, like, you know, this is the the one on fire. This is the the incarnation right. on fire. And she says, I think, um, she loved being him. Um, right. And so she starts walking away, and he gives her the full blast of his laser screwdriver and causes her to drop to the ground, fatally wounded. And he says, don't bother trying to regenerate you got the full blast but then of course they both laugh and find the whole situation funny because you know <laughs> they've shot themselves in the back and isn't that just the perfect way to go out that's double suicide <laughs> uh, something like that and so the master descends in the lift laughing as he bleeds out on the floor getting ready to go back into his tardis and missy appears to die there on the ground and never makes it back to the doctor. Now, the big question is, is she actually dead? Did she foresee this happening? Is she able to prepare for it? Is it, are we going to see another regeneration of the master? Is there one between these two that we're going to end up seeing? You know, all the, all these questions are out there now and we're not going to talk about them this episode <laughs> as much as we want to. We're going to save that for next episode. Get over it, people. And Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I know you want to talk about it. I can see you vibrating over there. I anticipate slightly. Yes. (laughs) We get to the point now where it's the final stand. Uh, The doctor takes one side of the house. Bill takes the other side. And the Cybermen are coming. Um, And we get the epic last stand of the doctor as he jumps and twists and turns and runs through the Cybermen, you know, sonicking you know, them away with the explosions that he's causing. And uh, this may be... This looked like a scene right out of the last Harry Potter movie. Right. (laughs) I know. It looks very Harry (laughs) Potter-esque. And we may have the most explosions in an episode since Ace was the companion. Um, (laughs) Just saying. (laughs) Um, But at the end of it all, even the Doctor can't fight them all off. And he gets hit. Yeah, he gets hit directly in the chest with one of the uh, beams from the uh, head laser. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's And loses the sonic screwdriver, too. Loses the sonic screwdriver for a moment. He gets hit in the chest. He says, I'm the doctor. And they say, we don't need a doctor anymore. And that's when they shoot him again. And he goes, no, we're not a doctor. I'm the doctor. The original, you might say. Mm-hmm. And that's when he falls to his knees. He's able to hold off a regeneration. He refuses to give in. He grabs his sonic screwdriver off the ground and ignites all the pipes below the floor, engulfing the entire level in a wave of destruction, destroying all the Cybermen. Right. 
Well, except for one. The impression that I got here is that all of the modern-day Cybermen were destroyed in this blast, and the only thing that were left were the classic Cybermen well, uh, on a lower lower level. Yeah, on the lower yeah. levels, yes. Everything on this level was destroyed. But that's the impression that I got, was because they specifically said that they had made the, the modern-day Cybermen on the lowest levels of the ship so that they would be able to make them and have them sent up there in time to uh, have them all there ready at the same time. Right. Because we should say... When the Cybermen arrive, there's a mix of the modern and the classic. Right. Um, so it, it's it's really kind of cool and creepy. I still think the classic ones are creepier. Yeah, I, I think in general they are. I, I like some of the aspects of the modern-day Cybermen. Actually, I like more of the aspects of the alternate universe Cybermen in the modern versions than I do in some of the ones they came out with later. But if if I'm going to choose between the classic and, and the modern-day, I think the classic is way creepier. Yeah. Especially having seen them in this. Right. Because <laughs> we learn about all the stuff that makes them the way they are. Exactly. Now, Cyber Bill shows back up, though. She manages to survive, and she comes and finds the doctor. And it's really weird because we see a Cyberman, you know, mourning for the doctor. It's intercut between right. her Cyberman and her Bill personas um, as she's become sober to, to mourn and cry over the doctor as he's fallen there. Um, and then all of a sudden she sees her cyber body, you know, sees herself outside of her cyber body and her cyber body falls to the ground. And she looks up and out of a pool of water on the battlefield comes Heather. Yeah. From the first episode. Yeah. The pilot. Yeah. And you're like, what? Here's, here's what I got from this. I got from this that Steven probably wrote these two episodes first. And he needed a way to explain the ending for Bill. And so he wrote a backstory for that, which ended up being the pilot at the beginning of this season. Maybe. Entirely, That's the vibe that I got. It's entirely possible because what we gather is that Heather has tracked Bill down and has turned her into a creature like herself. And she's able to do that because she gave Bill her tears. And we mm -hmm. have a flashback back to the pilot where... Uh, Bill turns around after Heather has left and she's got tears on her face and she says, I don't think those were mine. And she wipes them away. Mm -hmm. And so Heather and Bill together take the doctor and put him back in the TARDIS and Heather is able to send the, you know, program the TARDIS to take the doctor someplace safe. And when Bill asks, how can you do that? She goes, well, I'm the pilot. I can pilot just about anything. Right. And then they're not dripping water anymore because she's learned, she being Heather has learned to control the atoms and molecules and can change Bill and herself into human, restore them to human form if she wants. And then she invites Bill to travel the universe with her. The way this comes off is it, it comes off like they're explaining the reason why Heather was in the condition that she was in the first episode of the season is because she wasn't completely fully integrated yet with this new interface. Exactly. Um, and that's the reason why she wasn't actually Heather in that episode. In this episode, she is, Yes. you know? Um, so yeah. Um, you do know the significance of those names, right? Bill and Heather. No. William Hartnell and Heather Hartnell. Oh. Uh, <laughs> there you go. 
I'd forgotten. Yeah, I'd forgotten. It his was an homage name. to that. Um, yeah, it was. It was directly done for that reason. Gotcha. So, yeah. Um, they they then prepare to leave the doctor there in the TARDIS. Uh, Bill says one last goodbye and and cries and sheds a tear that falls on the doctor's head, but she doesn't wipe it away, saying, "You know, where there's tears, there's hope." And then this opens up a whole nother can of questions, man. Yeah. I'm telling you, I know, I know. <laughs> she then goes and takes Heather's hand and says, "All right, I've traveled a bit since we last met, so I'll show you the universe." And then they take off, <laughs> and the TARDIS closes. And the doctor all of a sudden has some sort of regeneration energy coming out of the tear on his forehead that landed on his forehead. And he wakes up <laughs> and he's yeah. a, a very confused because he starts quoting lines from previous doctors as they're preparing to regenerate. You know, I don't want to go when the doctor was me. The moment has been prepared for, you know, he right? starts saying things from, you know, 10 and 11 and four and all this yeah. stuff. And then he starts to regenerate and he says, no, I'm not going to keep doing this anymore. He specifically says, if I can't be me, I don't want to live. The exact that same words familiar. that Bill says in the barn. What? <laughs> Stephen Moffat having a callback in dialogue? <laughs> uh, so, yes. Oh, well, yeah. The, the, well, when he said the original, you might say... I immediately went, he's copying the fourth doctor, you know? Right. <laughs> Even though it wasn't the exact same words, it was in spirit. It was the same thing. Right. You know, um, and he manages to control and contain his regeneration saying he's not, doesn't want to change again. He hates the fact that he has to become someone else all the time. And he's done with that. He is done. He doesn't want to have to go through this again. The TARDIS lands on some sort of frozen landscape. He steps outside in order to escape the TARDIS trying to help him through this transition and starts to regenerate again. And then he managed, you know, shoves his hands in the snow and manages to get control of it yet again and refuses to change and says, I refuse to change. And of course, then he hears that echoed by someone else in the, in the snow. I refuse to change. The whole idea is ridiculous. The whole idea <laughs> of changing is ridiculous. Yeah. Hello, is someone there? Who's there? Who are you? I'm, I'm the doctor. Who are you? No, I'm the doctor. The original, you might say. And the first doctor <laughs> walks out of the snow. <laughs> and yeah. that's where it ends. And we have to wait till Christmas to find out what happens next. Were you angry? <laughs> I was so excited and angry at the same time. <laughs> I'm getting the first doctor back. Which is amazing. The, the crazy part is that there's a lot of people who probably didn't even realize who that was. You know what I mean? I maybe, but I mean, <laughs> but in all the you know the the promotional images that go out, the, you know, you get images of all the doctors out there. So you know, you could have a lot of people who know who that is. But oh my gosh, there's so, still people that don't even understand that the doctor has been an older person at some point in his past. They think that's true. Peter Capaldi is the the first person uh, up in years that has played that role. Yeah. So, well, yeah, they're about to get a lesson in classic Doctor <laughs> Who come Christmas. Oh my goodness! But I was like, oh my gosh, the rumor was true. I'm so excited. <laughs> oh wait, it's July. <laughs> Christmas is in December. <laughs> Curse you, Stephen Moffat! <laughs> 
so that's where I was left. So do you think this Christmas episode will be a longer episode than usual or a standard length episode? No, well, all the Christmas episodes are, you know, longer, you know. Mm, most of them, not all of them. Oh, all the ones, all the most recent <laughs> ones have been. <laughs> I'd like to see this one be a feature length. It probably will. <laughs> um, and oh my gosh, I cannot wait. I need to see this happen. Uh, then I loved it, the credits, how, you know, they, they went through everybody. And then at the end of the, you know, the cast credits, they said, and the David Bradley as the doctor, you know, they brought that back again, you know, so we're getting, <laughs> uh, I'm so glad that they have someone who can, who can do this and be the first doctor again. Um, uh, and someone who can do it so well, <laughs> this has me very excited, but also very angry because I want to see this and I want to see it now. Well, now Stephen Moffat, once again on the fan show <laughs> after the, this aired was talking about Bradley um, being on set. And he said, I was literally just over on set like 20 minutes ago filming part of the Christmas episode. And he says, it's eerie how well he plays William Hartnell's doctor. He says, it's literally like William Hartnell is there on the set. <laughs> so he's excited about it himself. You know, he, he really wants to see this be successful. Oh man. <laughs> I'm, that has me so excited. That has me so very, very excited. And see, this is a this is a a uh, a new precedence that we've got that now opens the gate for other people like let's see, Sean Pertwee to come in and play past doctors in future uh, episodes. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. Um, so obviously, there are a ton more questions than we have answers for after this episode. <laughs> Um, we're not really going to be able to answer all of them. Uh, but of course, there are <laughs> plenty of articles out there that go, oh, eight questions and some answers that we have after the Doctor Who finale. Uh, right. <laughs> you know, of course, some of the big ones that we have here. Uh, we've got two articles here, uh, one from Radio Times and one from Digital Spy, uh, asking such questions like, oh, is Missy the Master dead forever? And we will address that next episode. Um, could Bill come back? What exactly happened to her? You know, and it's like, well, she could. She could come back. Mm -hmm. We could see her come back and, and decide to travel with the doctor again. Um, you know, is that the end for Nardole? What's going to happen to him? Well, he could live out the rest of his days there on the farm with Hazran. And, you know, because, you know, she obviously had a thing for him. But he could also return. And apparently Matt Lucas uh, would like to see him come back. <laughs> I want to see him come back. Yes. <laughs> I want to see him be the new canine. <laughs> well, he kind of was. Um, no, no, no. I mean, I want to see his brain put into canine's body. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's funny. It'll be Cyber Nardole, except he'll be a dog. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I mean, he could do the voice. I know, right? Oh, man. I, think okay, it'd be I need to stop thinking about that. I need to stop. Uh, let's... Bring it back. I uh, really think that would be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. Uh, so the doctor apparently says that the Cybermen have originated on lots of different planets. You know, wherever there's, you know, they always get started. Uh, he says they happen everywhere, like everywhere there's people. Uh, Mondas, Telos, Earth, Planet 14, Marinus. Like sewage, smartphones, and Donald Trump, some things are just inevitable. <laughs> uh, people plus technology minus humanity the internet cyberspace cybermen oh always read the comments because one day they'll be an army 
<laughs> you know, those were some of his quotes. And, and it's interesting because, you know, Mondas is where they originally came from um, in the first Doctor. Uh, Telos is a home planet for the Cybermen um, in some of the other Doctors. Earth in the alternate universe. And apparently Planet 14 and Marinus were origins for the Cybermen in a comic series that Gotcha. Um, so that, those are canon now. That, well, at least <laughs> the fact that they've originated there is canon, um, according to Stephen Moffat. So, um, yeah, Stephen Moffat likes planning, you know, that sort of stuff. Uh, and, of course, the big question, you know, one of the questions that these articles are asking, who is that at the end of the episode? Yes, that is the first Doctor. <laughs> um, and then, let's see, what are some of the other questions here? Uh, we actually addressed this one earlier, what actually caused the Doctor's regeneration. Yeah. Um, you know, when did that first start? Um, we, we talked about that earlier. Um, uh, how did the master end up on the Exodus ship? Um, well, that gets explained. Well, how, how does the master ever end up anywhere? I mean, <laughs> right. I mean, he's been supposedly killed so many times and then just shown back up again. Um, I mean, seriously, I, I don't think this is the end of the master. We're, we're going to talk more about that next episode. Exactly. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk about that later. Uh, and then, uh, you know, what the heck, you know, was Missy actually good or not? We kind of addressed that earlier, you know, how we felt like she was actually conflicted, uh, like legitimately conflicted <laughs> and confused uh, by what was going on. Uh, let's see. Digital Spy says, how the hell does time travel work in Doctor Who? Well, that's not necessarily a question we can answer. Um, uh. <laughs> and then Digital Spy also is the one that points out that uh, Planet 14 and Marinus, uh, were the comic, uh, storyline that, uh, you know, had another origin for the Cybermen, um, in them during, let's see, the comic was in 1987. Um, yeah. So they're saying, huh, did Stephen Moffat make the nerdiest in joke of all time? Maybe. <laughs> but then again, you've never seen, uh, Rebels or Clone Wars make references to the expanded universe in Star Wars, have you? <laughs> Just saying. It's about time Doctor Who started doing some of those the things that Star Wars does in that regard. Anyway, I'll stop comparing the two. There's our Star Wars reference. We had to get a Star Wars reference in there. Um, all right, Paul, our minds have been completely blown. Uh, let's get some final thoughts and and maybe attempt a rating here. Um, I ugh. oh, there are so many questions. Like we said, there are so many questions, so many things we could get so far into, um, but. We don't have enough time on one episode to do that. So we're going to definitely bring up some of these questions in future episodes. And we will definitely, definitely address some of these things. Uh, you know, obviously, like we said, the master is first on our list. Um, and we'll be doing that next episode. Uh, but Paul, can you give final thoughts on this episode and give me a rating? Uh, let's see. What should we, how many cyber bills would you rate this? Final thoughts. Yeah. I'm going to be honest, the only, the only real criticism that I have in this is that I wanted more of the master in this episode. I wanted more of Sims master, uh, front and center. And, and that's the reason I asked you about that earlier is because there's a, a chunk of this where you don't see him at all. And mm -hmm. I felt like that that was a little bit of an unfortunate, uh, I don't want to say waste, but an unfortunate occurrence because he's been gone for so long that it seems like to me you would want to have him on screen as much as possible. You know what I mean? Um, that is really probably my only real criticism of this thing. And I don't even know that that's 
enough of a criticism to affect my rating, <laughs> to be perfectly <laughs> honest with you. <laughs> um, no, I absolutely loved this episode. These two episodes, I should say, the story arc. Um, I, I really, really felt like that this was something that could be considered classic and new who at the same time. Um, it, it felt like to me that it was a fitting beginning for the classic Cybermen. It felt like you had a, an, an explanation for why they looked the way they were, why they spoke the way they spoke, you know, and it didn't feel cheesy. It didn't feel hokey. It felt modern. It felt relatable in that it was really, it was scary. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't just sort of part of the way creepy. It was actually scary, you know, and my wife and I were sitting there watching this. And my wife's a big horror movie fan and she's watching this with me and she made comments after it was over about how scary she thought it was. And she's a, a very big critic of a lot of the modern day uh, horror stuff because she feels like that a lot of it's just a rehash of things that she's seen before and that kind of thing, you know? And so if she's giving it compliments, I think that it's, it's probably a pretty good sign. There you go. <laughs> I don't know where to begin. Do you um, want to give your your uh, review first, and then we'll both rate at the same time? You I think, to, I think we that? should. I think we should. Um, <laughs> I The only real criticism I have of this, and it's not much, is that once we get to uh, floor 0507, everything slows way down. Oh, at first it does, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it was... And I'm not saying that's bad, because obviously we got a lot of exposition about what's happening with Bill, what might happen to her, how, how mm -hmm. everything is going to, you know, end up what's going on with the doctor. And there's a whole lot of exposition that needs to be done in that. And so I can't fault it for slowing down because it needs to take that break before it ramps back up again, but it slows way down. You know, everything's been going, been, uh, you know, the first episode is, is a very creepy atmospheric buildup. Right. Um, and then all of a sudden at the very end, it just spikes with intensity and what's happening. And then it takes off from there into the first part of this episode uh, with the master and Missy and the Cybermen coming out and all this stuff. And then they have to escape the Cybermen before things get bad uh, for them and all that stuff. And then it just sort of like plummets back down. The, the, the spike ends. Um, and then it's, it has to build back up again to the finale of the episode. And I'm, and I'm not saying that's bad, but it was a bit right. jarring. I wonder if it would have felt that way if it had been done in three parts, uh, you know, much like the classic series would have been done, you know, whereas you told the beginning, the middle and the end and the middle was the slower part, you know, um, I mean, I, I wonder know. if it would have felt so jarring at that point. I don't know. Um, well, then you're going, oh, my gosh, we spent an entire episode on just exposition. Um, right. So, well, that wouldn't be the first time that the classic series did that, though. So let's be honest. True. And that's sometimes <laughs> uh, a flaw. Um, <laughs> in the classic series, but uh, I I can't fault them for for the slowdown in mm -hmm. you know the Doctor Falls because we needed it uh, you know not only in terms of story but in terms of exposition that we were going to need to have. But it was just such a dramatic you know it wasn't a gradual slowdown it just like plummeted and I was like oh okay <laughs> um, we were going 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 and then someone hit the brakes and we just yeah. almost stopped right at the point when Bill woke up right. Right. From the point she woke up until the first wave of Cybermen come back, um, it was a, a bit slow. Uh, but I, I, 
not saying that's bad because everything else was amazing. The content we were getting was <laughs> terrific. Um, I love the interaction between the master and Missy. Um, and I'm enough, you know, and I'm, like everyone knows, I'm more of a Cyberman fan than I am a master fan. And so it didn't bother me <laughs> that there were chunks of this without the master. Right. Um, it, it didn't, I know, but I know he's your kind of your favorite. <laughs> You kind of like him more than the doctor well, sometimes, I think. He's not my favorite. Davros is my favorite, but the master is a close second. <laughs> sometimes I think you like the master more than you like the doctor. <laughs> well, I always thought I might cosplay as the, as the master, but, you know. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So uh, I think we've gotten to the point where we need to give our ratings. Um, cyber bills? Is that what we're going to rate these episodes? Hmm. I think it's better than puddles. <laughs> yes i agree oh. all right um so how many cyber bills are you going let's just skip doing individual episodes let's have the finale you know the two-parter here yeah. how how many cyber bills are you gonna make this dude i don't have a choice i really <laughs> i gotta give it a 10 <laughs> yeah i'm i i have to give it a 10 i'm i mean Especially ending it the way that it ended with yes. the first Doctor, I, I have to give it a ten. There was, know? I agree, I oh. agree. I'm going to give it a ten as well. There's just so <laughs> much jam packed into these two episodes, and they are all, so, and it's all so good. Honestly, I wanted this to be a three parter. That's what I really wanted this to be was a three parter, kind of like what we got last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I really would have not complained at all if we'd seen that. Yeah, yeah. No. Oh man. I think I think the three-parter shouldn't have happened in the middle of the season. I think that should have been the two-parter, and then we got the, the three-parter at the end. Uh, you're probably <laughs> not alone in that in that uh, you know that feeling. So, oh man, I, this was just so good. It was so good. It got me so excited, and I was on the edge of my seat the entire time. Ugh. And see, that's that's something else. I'm running that, out of words for this episode. Um, that, you know, on the same episode that I saw of the, the fan show, uh, Rachel Talalay was on that as well. And she was talking about what it was like to edit this show, to edit these episodes in these three seasons that we've just gotten through. And she said she approaches this the same way that she would approach a motion picture. You know, she doesn't approach it like she would a television show. She approaches it the way that she would a motion picture because she feels like that Stephen Moffat's stories are that much more cinematic, you know. Hmm. And so that's the reason why we get a lot of the visuals and things that we get in these uh, season finales and stuff. I I think it was really, really well done. I agree. I agree. Stephen Moffat and Rachel Talalay are an incredible uh, writer-director pair. Um, and I, it's, I, I think that they've done some incredible <laughs> stuff with Doctor Who. And, you know, if they do more stuff in the future, I would probably try and seek it out. <laughs> okay. I think we need to wrap this up, Paul. Uh, oh. <laughs> I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted after going through all of that. I, I think we need to wrap this up. Um, Surely not. <laughs> oh. There's just too many questions that we need to answer that we don't have time, and I'm, I don't I don't have the energy to, to go into any of them. And it's, oh. <sighs> oh. Okay. Um, if you want to weigh in on this, uh, on any of, of what we've talked about, on any of these other questions that have remained unanswered, please join our conversation on you know our social media, facebook.com slash talkingtimelords. You can also find our Facebook group, where we can talk about anything and everything Doctor Who related. So it doesn't have to be 
uh, what we're discussing in the episodes. It can be anything you want to talk about. Um, and we're really starting to develop a nice little community over there. So please join that and uh, join us there. Um, you can also tweet us at, at TalkingTimeLord or email us at TalkingTimeLords at gmail.com. Links to all of our social media as well as all previously released episodes can be found on our website, TalkingTimeLords.com. Uh, and of course, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher. Uh, wherever you find our podcast, we greatly appreciate that. It definitely helps uh, keep us ahead of you know people in the queue who have stopped making new episodes. Uh, Five stars would be nice, too. It would be nice. We would appreciate yes. that. Um, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, Paul, do you have anything else to say <laughs> that you can fit um, in a minute or two? If, if you would like a Talking Time Lords t-shirt, coffee mug, sticker for your computer, uh, whatever, we do have a link for that on both our Facebook page and our website. Yes. To our, our store, uh, our Thunderquack store, where you can find our, our merchandise. So, And there's also a link for our Patreon on our website as well. Yes. Where you can support the network and our show. Anything else, Paul, before we wrap this up? I'm excited to talk about The Master on our next episode. Yes. Um, the plan that we have in place at the moment, it may change, uh, is to talk about whether or not we think the master would be back. Um, and if so, how many different ways the master could come back mm-hmm. and also, um, who we would like to play the role of the master should he or she decide to come back. Yes. Uh, we'll, we'll bring that up <laughs> and we'll also go ahead and, uh, talk about the alternate ending, the alternate idea that was going on in this episode regarding the master and Missy. Um, cause that's a crazy crap. Yeah. There. Let's hold off on that until our next episode. So yeah. that way they'll have a reason to even, even more so to come back. There's, there's some crazy crap that, that <laughs> was originally going to go down. And Russell T. Davies is to blame. <laughs> Golly. All right. Uh, let's. I'm running out of words, so we just need to end this episode. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of Talking Time Lords. This has been episode number 76, because it's kind. For Paul, I'm Jason. And remember, until next time. May you hope far-flung hopes and dream masterful dreams of electric sheep. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, everybody. (laughs) Talking Time Lords is a proud member of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Visit thunderquack.com to see their entire catalog of podcasts. Or visit patreon.com slash thunderquack to help support the shows.
I got that from social media because somebody asked the question, do Cybermen dream of electric sheep? (laughs) One, two, three, four, 42, 57. I love it. Oh, there we go.